So we are in the second week of our series, The Gospel in Motion, which goes through the book of Acts. Today we'll be focusing on Acts chapter 4. And the book of Acts is one of those books in the Bible that tells us a little bit of the story just through the title of the book, Acts. People are acting. There's action involved, especially to people's response in witnessing the life of Jesus. Acts contains the acts of the apostles following their encounter with Jesus. It's a response from God's people after walking with Jesus for several years. And at this time, Jesus has risen from the dead. He has ascended into the, in, to the Father in heaven. And for Jesus' disciples, there's no more looking up in the clouds, wondering when he's coming back. It's time to act, to respond to their time with Jesus. This is the time when the rubber meets the road. There's no more training period for the disciples. Jesus isn't going to hold their hand any longer. Jesus is all about empowering other people to do the very same things that he did. At this time, it is the church's role to continue the work of bringing God's kingdom to earth. Jesus is present, but he's present in a new way through the Holy Spirit. And because the disciples were trained to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, they naturally bumped shoulders with people that Jesus bumped shoulders with, especially with those that did not want Jesus to be known in the world. Persecution comes to the forefront of the disciples' experience as Jesus' followers, similar to what Jesus experienced and similar to what the prophets did before Jesus' experience. So what do we do as God's people when persecution comes to us? Let's hear the word of the Lord from Acts 4. I invite Noah and Emily, come on up to read the scripture passage. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers and elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and had began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to the account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked of how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you crucified but whom God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been in with Jesus. But since they could not see the man who was who but since they could see the man who was healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign. We cannot deny it, 
But to stop this from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them um, not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eye, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking, but we can have seen and but we have been seen and heard. Any, after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all people were praising God for what happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. This, this is, is the, the word, word of the, the Lord. Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Emily and Noah. Appreciate it. The author of the book of Luke, the book of Acts, is Luke. Luke includes several details that point to the life of Jesus before he was crucified from this text. Luke was a physician by trade, so naturally he recognized these small, minute details, and he was able to connect the lives of the disciples to the life of Jesus, their rabbi. In many ways, Luke connects the experience of Peter and John to their own rabbi's experience a couple months prior. And firstly, Luke connects the location of Peter and John to a a location that Jesus was during his time in ministry. In Acts 3, the chapter just before our passage, it's mentioned that Peter and John are in a place known as Solomon's Porch or Solomon's Colonnade. Solomon's Porch was on the outer border of the temple. It was a roofed-in area, and it had beautiful, big pillars. So it kept people out of the sun. It kept people out of the rain. So, and people normally socialized there, and others taught in this area. And Jesus was known to have taught in this exact same area that Peter and John were. And I like to think that as Peter and John were teaching, as they see the, the Sanhedrin come up to them, the the officers of the temple guard, that they could look on the ground and see the very footsteps of Jesus to tell them that they were in the right place. Jesus' disciples were walking in the footsteps of their rabbi, which was exactly what they were taught to do. These disciples also found themselves interacting with the same people that Jesus interacted with. Through Peter and John's teaching of the resurrection and salvation being found only in the name of Jesus, people made their way towards them. People that did not like that message walked up towards them. And these people walked towards them like a shark going after blood in the water. When Jesus was arrested, put on trial, and crucified, there are several individuals named, several groups of people named in the process. And you'll recognize a few of these people from Luke 22 in the passage that we just read. Hear the word of the Lord from Luke 22:52 through 53. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. When Jesus was arrested, chief priests were present. Officers of the temple guard were present. Elders from the Sanhedrin, including Pharisees and Sadducees, were present. 
And also when Jesus was arrested, he was first taken to Anas, the previous high priest, who then sent him to Caiaphas, the current high priest. And Caiaphas was the high priest who mentioned that one person shall die for the whole nation. And he didn't even know that he was proclaiming God's plan of salvation. The same people that were involved in arresting Jesus were involved in arresting Peter and John. And through the story of Peter and John getting arrested, Luke is painting a picture that looks very similar to Jesus getting arrested and crucified. This shows that as Peter and John were declaring the truth of the gospel in the temple courts, that death was a very possible outcome for their actions. Yet they did not back down. They had an unwavering boldness in defending faith in their Lord and Savior Jesus. Although Luke is connecting a lot of the details of this story in Acts 4 to Jesus' life, there's a very clear difference in Acts 4 compared to the arrest and trial of Jesus. When Jesus was put on trial, miraculously he did not say much, even when he was peppered with questions time and time again. Here's what Matthew 27 says, starting in verse 12. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony of those that are bringing charges against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. When Jesus was on trial, he knew that he didn't have to defend himself. He had already said what needed to be said in order for others to know that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. And he also wasn't trying to escape death. He had the words to do that. He had the power to do that. He was being obedient to his father. He was being obedient to death on the cross. So Jesus' trial compared with Peter and John's trial is very different. Jesus was mostly silent, but Peter and John made it seem like they were two stars on an underdog debate team defending themselves against the Sanhedrin. Acts 4 verse 20 says this, As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Through the disciples, through the rest of the church, Jesus hands the torch of proclaiming the good news of the gospel. And Jesus is all about empowering others to do the very same things that he did. And I want you to notice how when Jesus was present and Peter was asked, do you, do you know this man? Are you one of his followers? Peter denied. He said, I do not know him. Peter did not want to even be known as, as close to Jesus. Yet when Jesus is raised from the dead, when he ascends to the Father, he proclaims the name of Jesus more than any other time when Jesus is not there right next to him. And also Peter's, Peter and John's proclamation of the gospel doesn't come from years and years of higher education. To quote the text, Jesus uses average, ordinary people to speak the good news of the gospel. A person could only read only this text about the life of Peter and think, Peter was a wonderful speaker. He was bold. He defended the faith very articulately with wonderful passion. But yet Peter was also an average, ordinary fisherman who at one time was told to get behind me, Satan, which is pretty harsh. 
And he also denied Jesus three times. When he spoke twice, that he would go to death to defend Jesus. So I read this text, and I think, how in the world is this the same Peter? How did he go from somebody who denied that he was a Jesus follower to somebody who proclaims the good news of the gospel to others that don't believe it? Peter spent an extended amount of time with Jesus, with his rabbi. Peter studied the ways of Jesus for several years. Peter was trained to do what he did in Acts 4. And Peter was also a man who was redeemed after failing. He recognized that the blood of Jesus washes away his sins. He was given another chance and he took that. Once Jesus was resurrected and ascended into heaven, Peter and John's training period was over. Their training wheels were taken off and they hit the ground running. And because of their efforts in following Jesus and generations upon generations of people following Jesus, speaking the gospel, we can claim today that we know Jesus through early followers of Jesus. So this is the story of Peter and John. What is your story? If you claim to have faith in Jesus, are there people in your life who have discipled you, who have walked with you intentionally, teaching you the ways of Jesus so that you can go and represent Jesus in this world? If that's yes, that's a beautiful thing, then who are you discipling? Who else are you walking with to teach the ways of Jesus so that this world may know, may know the name of Jesus Christ? Have you studied the ways of Jesus intentionally and put them into practice? How else will the world know who Jesus is if not for God's people telling them who he is? Now, not all of us are called to, to be Peter and John standing before angry people uh, in a public setting defending our faith, yet all of us are called to speak the good news of the gospel. The Sanhedrin didn't want the name of Jesus to be known, so they claimed that in order to stop Jesus being known, Throughout the world, they would stop people from speaking in his name. And also through the speaking of Peter and John, the number of men who believed grew to 5,000, which was a big number at the time. Speaking the gospel is a direct defense against the evil in this world. So who around you needs to hear the truth of the gospel and are you willing to take a step of faith in sharing that with them? This church offers many opportunities to be discipled if you desire to take that next step of faith and tell others about the truth of Jesus. We can help you share your own story. We can help you share God's grand story of what the gospel is. The opportunities are there and we are happy to equip you in your faith journey. As God's people, also we cannot settle for simply just showing acts of love, showing acts of service. That's maybe 50% of the process. We have to speak about what we are doing. We have to speak about why we are doing what we are doing. And in doing so, that is sharing the gospel. I want to share a personal example from my life. When I was uh, back in college, probably around my sophomore year, I had this short conversation with one of my classmates, another guy who lived in the dorm. His name is Mitch. 
And after knowing Mitch for about a year, he recognized something that I, I do when I greet people normally. He, he asked me a question. He said, Sam, why do you, why do you smile so much? It, it doesn't make sense to me. Why do you smile? And at, at that point, I said something along the lines of, it, it's just something I like to do. I, I don't know. I didn't have a reason behind it. And then I went on my way. And then after I reflected on that experience and, and, and thought to myself, this smile comes from joy. It comes from joy of the Lord. It comes from being redeemed, being washed, being given a, a new chance at life every single day. It, it comes from my faith in Jesus. And I never went back and told Mitch. I never, I, mean, I never told him the why. Why do I smile? It's because of Jesus. So what is your why? Why do you go to church? Why do you have faith in the Lord? Why are you changed? People notice differences in this world. People notice that God's followers hopefully are different than the rest of the world. So what is your why and how will you explain that? And in doing that, you will speak the gospel into somebody's life. Lastly, it's important to recognize Luke, he makes a statement by pointing out that the Sanhedrin was astonished that ordinary, average men could show such courage and speak so movingly about Jesus. The Sanhedrin were all very well educated, either the Pharisees or Sadducees, and they liked other people to know about this. They had great wealth. They desired to show off their knowledge through scripture, through preaching the text, through praying very loudly on street corners. Others knew they had a relationship with God. And many times Jesus was in the hot seat based off of questions that these men were asking. Their view of God was kept in a neat box. And when Jesus showed up and told them so much more about God's love, showed them how to actually love other people because he didn't fit their view of God in this box, they thought he was a, a false prophet. They thought he wasn't the Messiah. They knew the words in scripture, yet they didn't know God himself. The Messiah was right in front of them and they could not recognize it even though the scriptures point to Jesus. Too often they were pointing the finger at other people and they were not pointing the finger towards themselves looking at their own heart, their own life. Religious leaders were the ones who persecuted Jesus and they persecuted his disciples. Jesus wasn't put to death solely by the Roman Empire. The Jews took him to the Romans to execute him because they couldn't do it themselves. The same people continued to threaten Jesus' disciples. And I say all this with conviction because I am somebody who is well-educated. I am somebody who is seen as a leader of the faith. I have to be very careful how I read scripture and how I love other people according to the scripture. The Bible is the most beautiful the, the most truthful story ever to be told and it has to be used in helpful ways and not harmful ways. And clearly God does not want people to thump the Bible over others in a spirit of judgment rather than a spirit of love. If I'm not careful, my faith can look more like the faith of the Sanhedrin rather than the faith of Peter and John from this text. And also from a broad perspective looking at this church, 
there are a lot of similarities that this church has with the Sanhedrin rather than Peter and John. This church has plenty of well-educated people, smarter than myself. This church is located in southeast Grand Rapids, which is one of the wealthier places in Grand Rapids. And of course, all this information doesn't point to our faith in Jesus. It doesn't point to our hearts. I say this because we are not immune to the sin of the world. It's easier to sit on the judgment seat rather than on the seat of curiosity, wondering about God doing something new in this world. So fifth church, are you, if, if you were to look at your lives, would your life reflect the life of somebody from the Sanhedrin or somebody like Peter and John in this instance? Even though Jesus is not physically present with us right now, he still gives us authority to represent him in this world. He gives us the ability to speak in his name, to tell others of his great deeds. And if you find yourself ill-equipped to go do that, this church, we would love to help you. We would love to equip you. Fifth has the resources. One of the reasons that the organized church exists is to equip God's people to go out into the world reflecting the name of Jesus. And there are people in your lives who know you're Christian. They know you believe in Jesus. They, they may know that you go to church, but do they know why? Why are you here? Why is your life different than the world around you? And in telling them your why, you're talking about Jesus. You're talking about how God has made you new. You're telling others the gospel. In explaining why you believe, you naturally talk about Jesus dying for people. You naturally talk about Jesus taking away the sins of the world. We cannot control whether people believe in Jesus based off of what we say. But if we don't say the gospel, who else will? If not God's people, then who else is going to do that? Jesus did not come into the world to condemn, but to save the world through him. And Peter tells us this beautiful verse found in verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Let's be people that cannot help but talk about our faith and what we have seen and heard in the name of Jesus. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you. We ask you to equip us to share about our faith in you, to love other people well, to use the Bible um, as an example on how to love uh, others in your name. We thank you for early followers like Peter and John and so many others uh, that showed us faith. Help us reflect your love in this world and we pray all these things in your name. Amen.